even if you aren't an NFL fan, you're probably aware, it's on your radar, I'm sure, that the Super Bowl is next Sunday. And, and to achieve that level of success, either team has to have a, a quarterback at the helm that is, is above average. So you can imagine how surprised you might be to, to hear if leading into the week of the Super Bowl that one of the teams, that either of the teams, has decided to sit their starting quarterback or that their starting quarterback, for one reason or another, isn't able to go. And you'd be even more surprised to hear that that team wasn't going to play one of the backup quarterbacks in his place. But instead, the coach's decision for this monumental game, for this milestone uh, for his team, was to start at quarterback, the janitor. Which, of course, is absurd. No NFL team would do that because no janitor would be qualified for that position. Not only would he be unable to, to pull off the plays, he probably couldn't even put on the pads the right way. And it's not like when you're talking about the janitor, it's just another football player who's just being moved around to a position, somebody else who at least might have some familiarity with how the offense is run. A janitor would be somebody that would be totally and completely unqualified and lack the skills to lead his team to a Super Bowl victory. Now, as absurd as that sounds, and unlikely as that would be to ever happen, how much more shocking is it that Jesus would choose fishermen to be his messengers? Because that's, that's reality. That's not made up. That's not fabricated. Jesus chose fishermen. He, he did not choose the people we might expect, the religious elites, those who knew the scriptures. He didn't go around and scope out those who were excellent public speakers, who had great communication skills. No, in fact, if if Jesus was going to search for the bottom of the barrel, you could make a case that fishermen would have been there. These were not the kind of individuals that had people skills. They were out fetching fish all day. They weren't looking to start a conversation or to learn how to connect with other people. They weren't known for their great oratory skills. They were fishermen. And Jesus chose them to be his messengers. Now, if you're shocked by that, how much more shocking is it this morning that we focus on the fact that he didn't just choose fishermen, he chooses you and me as well. For several Sundays now, we've been getting a little glimpse at kind of Jesus preaching uh, events throughout the Gospel of Luke. And you notice how different the verses from chapter 5 are compared to the previous two Sundays. Two Sundays, we, two Sundays ago, we saw Jesus preaching in the synagogue. That was the Sunday that, that his hearers were excited, amazed at first, and then by the end of his sermon, they were out looking for the nearest cliff to push him off of. Not well received. Last Sunday was a little bit better for Jesus. He didn't have anybody clamoring to, to push him off a cliff, and they didn't want him to leave town, but it wasn't so much because of the message as it was because of the miracles. It was pretty nice to have this guy in their hometown, their, uh, somebody to heal what ails them and to solve their problems. But notice how Luke described this event of Jesus teaching and preaching. 
He describes the, the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Did you catch that? Let's just start right there. They were listening to the word of God. Good things happen when we listen to the word of God. Maybe we need to, to clarify that a little bit because we are kind of in, we're inclined to define good according to how we perceive good to be. So maybe in place of good, we should say that, that God things happen when we listen to the word of God. And Simon Peter found that out firsthand that morning. Luke tells us that, that Simon was, was out all night fishing. And not just fishing, but fishing unsuccessfully. He didn't catch a thing. And at that time, that was not an easy job, an easy task. You weren't just out all night and, and you pushed a button to have the crane pull up all of the traps or the nets. This was physically demanding to be out there all night on the lake. And not only physically demanding, but certainly emotionally when you're putting in that much effort and you have nothing to show for it. And then the emotional realization that if I don't catch fish, I don't get a paycheck. I can't feed my family. So, so Simon had just been out all night, physically, emotionally drained, and then, no disrespect to Jesus, but this individual who has really no experience fishing, the son of a carpenter, maybe followed in his footsteps, he comes in and he has some advice for Simon who just failed at fishing all night long. We're told that in verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. You know, that's one thing for Jesus to give in that direction. But even more remarkable was, was Simon's response. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because you say so. Stick with that phrase for a moment. Ask yourself how different your life might be, how, how many more blessings you might encounter if the only change in your life was to stick to that. Because Jesus says so. Trust the Lord your God with, with all your heart. Give generously. Forgive others. Love your enemies. Stay married. All of these things and so many more because Jesus says so. And for no other reason than that. Now, of course, we all pay lip service so that it, it makes good sense. And, of course, we would like to convince others and, and sometimes ourselves that that is how we live our lives. And yet, our lives betray us. Our actions, our thoughts, our words betray us. And, in fact, reflect that we are much more inclined to live according to I know better than we are according to Jesus because I say so. Think of, of how the child bristles at mom or dad's reason or rationale for telling them to do this or that. It's every child's favorite response. Because I said so. 
Think of your, your boss, your supervisor, your superior telling you to do something a, a certain way. Now, when that child disregards mom or dad's command, when, when the employee disregards what the supervisor says to do it this way or that, and it, it's not done that way, we don't carry it out that way, what are we really saying by our actions other than, I know better than you do? Because you say so isn't enough. And quite frankly, we excel at living that way. Repeatedly, throughout Scripture, God says, because I say so, and we say, I know better. And specifically, with the very topic at hand this morning, when it comes to what we have been called to do as Jesus' messengers. Because what he said to Simon Peter, he says to you and to me as well, he says, don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. And here's the, the double whammy. We, we often are, are very familiar with the second part of that, but do you realize how good we are at disregarding both of those parts? There's really two elements to what Jesus says there according to his because I said so. We know that, that evangelism, that witnessing, that being his messengers is, is something that all of us are called to, but it's really the first part. And here's, here's the ironic thing. It's that that is probably the most often provided excuse or reason for not being more committed to evangelism or sharing our faith. I'm too afraid. Isn't it ironic a little bit? Does it strike you a little bit that we offer that up as an excuse? The very thing that Jesus says not to do? Because I said so, don't be afraid. And we say, but I'm too afraid. Jesus says, what part of don't be afraid did you not catch? And we offer it up as a, an excuse, a rationale for not doing the second part. We simply betray, we, we show how much better we know than, than Jesus, what is best for us to do. And, and think of how, how absurd that is, really, that, that we would level that up or offer that up as a reason or an excuse. Just look at Simon Peter. Isn't that a, a fine example? And are we afraid to see that what happened in Simon Peter's case, that Jesus maybe that, that he might just be able to do the same thing as we carry out what he calls us to simply because he says so? Simon Peter had every reason to, to disregard Jesus' words. He was the, the experienced fisherman, not Jesus. He could have said, well, Jesus, I, I need to take a break. We didn't catch anything. It just doesn't seem likely that that it's going to be any different if we go out again. But you know how it played out, right? Jesus told him, put out into the deep water, let down the nets, and then Luke tells us in verses 6 and 7, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Such a haul that not only could the nets not contain all the fish, but two boats started to sink because of it. Now, that undoubtedly, the largest haul of fish that they would ever have in their entire lifetime, do we think it is beyond Jesus' ability to, to bless our messaging as we go out and we communicate the gospel to others that, that he can't bring in through us such a haul that the proverbial boat would sink as well? Is he not able to do for us as we simply do it because he says so, can he not accomplish through any one of us 
exactly what he did through a failed fisherman the night before? Let's imagine that, that at the, the conclusion of our service this morning, as, as you exit, you're going to receive an, an application uh, to be the messenger that, that Jesus calls you to be. And, and like any other, other application, it's got your name, your contact information on. And then in this application, there are two sections. There's one section where you list all of the qualifications that you have for being one of, of Jesus' messengers. And then there's another section that says, and I'll list here all of the, the hesitancy, all the, the reasons that you might think you're not qualified to do this. I don't think it's being disingenuous. I think it's accurate to say that just about all of us here would have far more things in that list of reasons we are not qualified to be his messengers. I, I don't know this well enough. I'm not a very good speaker. I'm awkward when it comes to relating or talking to other people. I don't even know any people who aren't Christians. Or if we dig a little bit deeper and are honest, sometimes we'd have to say that we convince ourselves we're too busy or, quite frankly, that we just don't care. Somebody else will take care of it. Now, as we look at that list and we see the list of all the things that qualifies us, and it's a very short list, maybe a blank list, and compare that to the list of all of the things that disqualify or show why we are not competent to be his messengers, and then you submit that application, you turn it into Jesus himself, and guess what? It doesn't matter how long the list of things that would disqualify you, all of the reasons you came up with where you are not able to, to carry out this work, because Jesus would respond to every one of our applications the exact same way. He would take your application, in big, bold letters, he would stamp the words on it, qualified. Qualified to be my messenger. Why? Because the ability to be his messenger does not depend on your ability to be his messenger. Rather, it comes from the fact that he is the one sending you. And your friends in Christ, don't forget that the one who sends you is the very same one who saved you in the first place. Do you remember the, the message that we're being called to, to share, to pass on, to communicate to the world? The very foundation of that message is the cross. And don't forget this, that the cross that, that we are called to point others to is first and foremost for us. We need the cross. Because it's at the cross where all of, all of our pride is canceled out. All of the times that we throughout our lives on a daily basis tell God boldly through our thoughts, words, and actions, I know better than you do. Because I said so just isn't good enough for me. And we need the cross because our pride demands to take control of our lives and be the, the master, the one who's behind the steering wheel instead of the humble submission that God calls us to. We need the cross because it cancels out everything that would disqualify us from being his messengers. And instead, at that cross where God's holiness and his undeserved mercy collide, 
we are left with a clean slate. We are left with sins washed away, purified, set apart, despite everything that would disqualify us because of who Jesus is and what happened at the cross and the tomb. The one who sends us saved us for great things in his kingdom as we carry out what he calls us to, to be his messengers. When you look at at the case of Simon Peter, it wasn't accidental that things played out to the way that they did when Jesus called him as his disciple. Because you look at the success that, that Simon Peter would have, and it was not based on his experience. It was rather based on his obedience. I mean, think about it. It wasn't accidental that, that Jesus said, all right, when is it that I'm going to call these guys to, to do my work? Let me wait till after Simon Peter has just a successful day on his own, and then I'll show up, and then I'll say, see, Simon, you got what it takes. You're the kind of guy I need working for me. You have just demonstrated that you are ready to lead. You've got all of the qualities, all of the, the capability and the skill that I'm looking to be a messenger in my kingdom. No, He deliberately took Simon after a night of failed fishing. Not success, the exact opposite. But if you read through the book of Acts and you see all of the success that the Lord granted to Simon Peter, it's so obvious, it's so clear on the basis of how he calls him that it wasn't Simon Peter's success. It wasn't his expertise. God simply blessed his obedience. In faith-filled obedience... Simon Peter, the expert fisherman, took the advice of his Lord and Savior. And he went, because you say so. I don't think we have to worry about either of the teams this Sunday, next Sunday, starting the janitor at quarterback. Because as fabricated as as that sounds, it's never going to happen. But, But what has happened, what continues to happen is that Jesus sends you and me to be his messengers. Not on the basis of the fact that you are are qualified. Not on the basis of your great skills and your ability or mine. But on the basis that that Jesus wants to, to make it obviously clear that he is always the one who is going to be responsible for building his church. No man, no individual, no woman, no, no unique individual based on their skill set is going to be the one who builds his kingdom. Only Jesus does that. So he sends you and and me to be his messengers. Will you? Is it it enough to go and and do, do that work simply because he says so? Can you follow in Simon Peter's footsteps? And, And even if You fail, and you fail, and you fail, and the Lord doesn't bless your efforts in the way that you would hope. Is it worth it for the time that he does? Is it worth it because it's entirely possible that he could bring in through you, through all of us, as big a haul as his church has ever seen? Is Jesus capable of doing that? We all know the answer to that. What remains to be answered is, will you go and be the messengers that he calls you to be? Because he says so. Amen.